Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is nice to connect with you. And I do mean connect. I know at this time, uh, many individuals, you may be feeling um, a lot of unease and coping with uh, what's going on right now. And I want you to know that there are ways to connect. There are ways to connect through listening, through deepening into yourself. And I find this to be a very powerful time I have always believed that there is only good and that things that happen oftentimes have a much bigger picture than what we can realize, that there's an interconnection of events that takes place despite how we try to control. And I do believe that this is no different. Uh, This is an opportunity for us, an opportunity to be with ourselves, an opportunity to pause, an opportunity to reach out and connect in a different way. And most importantly, an opportunity to hear what's unspoken, which is why it's quite interesting that I have the guest on today that I have. Uh, He has a book that is called uh, The Unspoken, uh, as well as a book that is a life poem. Uh, His name is Bob Holman, and he's featured in a Henry Louis Gates Jr. profile in The New Yorker and was crowned the ringmaster of the spoken word by the New York Daily News. Uh, Bob has performed with his poems with a punk band in Kiev, a griot in Timbuktu, a ballet company in San Francisco. He's the original slam master of the New York and Poets Cafe and the creator of the world's first spoken word record label, Mouth Almighty, and the founder of the Bowery Poetry Club. Uh, today we're gonna have a, a beautiful conversation about poetry, about Bob, and perhaps what's unspoken in these times that have us be with ourselves and how poetry, the written word, the spoken word, can oftentimes be exactly what we need to hear in, in a world where there's often so much noise that we don't let ourselves hear. So I'd like to welcome Bob Holman to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, well, I'll tell you, that was quite a welcome, Simran. Thank you very much. Uh, as far as that uh, list of accolades, I'm telling you, I, I, it seems like it's time for me to stop doing, you know, here in the in coronavirus land. Uh, there, I said it. I said the unspoken. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, is, it is, you're exactly right. It's a time to hunker down with yourself and with your, you know, your family, whatever unit you manage to find yourself in and you know language is the essence of humanity and poetry is the essence of language so first thing off is i think from here on in through this uh crisis through the through this period of time um we should speak nothing but poems okay so you and I are going to start this off right now, and hopefully it can get to be contagious. But um, I'm, uh, I'm sure that the, the poems that need no titles, but where every word is considered and felt through its, uh, its, its etymology, its history, you know, each word that we speak is a treasure. 
is a monument to how that word got shaped, like a like a stone in a in, in a river, right? Um, the way that over 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 centuries, over generations, that word has been honed to be placed inside your mouth to allow it to blossom into communication with uh, with somebody else. Mm, I love that. As I look at your cover, I see the words unspoken, the reds un in red, the words the spoken in black. I see a man whose face has been covered yet speaks so boldly, a cone placed across his face, his eyes, his nose, his mouth, pointing in a direction that is unknown. And the words printed upon that cover say, who knows, who cares, why bother, how come, what possible difference could it make? So, Bob Holman, tell me what all of that means. <laughs> okay. Well, first off, it is unusual to find a, a book cover. and These books are published by Bowery Books, part of YBK Publishers, so people can find them there. YBK, Bowery Books, or Bob Holman, The Unspoken. Um, the title, is, the, the red lines uh, through it, Simran, are... Uh, the cover's edited, but it shows the copy editing. The original title for this, which my publisher suggested, was Bob Holman and the Spoken Word Movement, because that's usually how I'm portrayed. And you know, that's that's my 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 little nomenclature that the press decides for me. I, I, honestly, Simran, you know, people were speaking poems long before writing was invented. So it always makes me wonder, why are the poets who are using the oral tradition as a means for communication, why are we called spoken word poets rather than those newcomers, because writing's only been around for, what, 2,000, 3,000 years, not the 40,000 years that speaking's been around. Um, Why aren't the newcomers called text poets and give credit to the to the to the millennia that uh, where poetry was handed on interesting word handed on was uh, was passed on from uh, from poet to poet from poet to listener who became a poet so at any rate Bob Holman and and word movement are crossed crossed out and left with the spoken and then there's a, a carrot, one of those little uh, up, uptick signs, that with the word un, U-N, in red. And so the title is The Unspoken. And uh, to me, every book is the unspoken. Every written word is the unspoken. Writing is, 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 is graphic speech, you know. And, uh, and so every, every book that you read is waiting for you to pass it on through the air, through these, this magic of language, as, uh, as a spoken word. And then, of course, you've got to have your, since you make use of everything, you've got to have a, a poem on the cover. This drawing by Paul Zinkovich, who is a, a dear friend of mine, we met um, in, the, in 1969. Uh, the other book, Life Poem, has a picture of me at, at, the, at my age of 20 then. And... Uh, Paul made this drawing at that time. That's a as you as you described. It's a person who has his dunce cap pulled over his face instead of a instead of a cap sitting on his on his head. And uh, 
And the poem goes, as you said, who knows is the title, who cares, why bother, how come, what possible difference could it make? And of course, we all just have to remove whatever shields our sight to see things as they are in this moment to be able to uh, participate in all speech is poetry. I guess that's a t- Oh, then at the bottom, look at that. As non-oralized by Bob Holman. I'm telling you, that's something. That's, it, it doesn't say as written by. It's just non-oralized by. Here we have a chance, you and me, to oralize all of it. Let's get on with it. I love that. You know, I love the subtle. I, I'm always intrigued by the interconnection of the universe. Uh, the fact that what we're dealing with in our world today with the coronavirus and the and people going into anxiety and fear and not knowing what to do and not knowing what to say. We have I have a guest on who's talking about the unspoken. And as you describe mm. your cover, you know, and I look at my own work, which is about sign symbols and synchronicity, and I see the red lines crossing through. Mm-hmm. Red is the symbol of trust. And oh. the fact that it's crossing through, you know, the name and and the word movement, it's almost like crossing past the identity and the doing and and really getting into the being and the more collective knowledge the unspoken is what comes through us through our hearts poetry to me is what comes through our hearts and our souls it gets rid of the mind and the ego and like you were showing the face of who we believe ourselves to be and gets to the core of our our shadowy nature our broken heartedness our passion, our love. I'd love to share um, one of your poems called The Snake, or one of the writings. All of it and all the time, snake, you are, you and your shedding. Try shedding your heart like you do your skins. Understand the new color spectrum, sung to the strum of the bees, the unspoken word. And that's what I'm waiting for, way back in the bus of the bus, deep in the cavern of the bus, the place you didn't even know was here. Darkest, blackest, screamingest, soundlessest, soulless. Place you call unspoken. That's where I am. That's where I'm coiled and waiting. Under the stinking seat, down under the axle's grind, the roads to bits, down where there's dirt to pay, where the poem is prayer and you never learn to pray. Talk a little bit about that place. <laughs> oh, you went right to it, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was a herpetologist as a youth, which is a big way of saying it. I was I would I would catch snakes. You know, I I I just thought that moment of fear that is built into our genes when a snake slithers by. Now, I, I guess we're allowed to talk about everything, but to talk about this while we're all ensconced in our sequestration and, and, and our being pulled out of our, our daily lives with snakes are, um, you know, let's, anyway, anyway there, there, they, there is a snake in this that is coiled and waiting, or is it roadkill? You know, it's a snake that, that sheds its heart the way that snakes have always shed their skins. Imagine if, imagine just that, uh, that 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 that's, that that little uh, illumination of 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 inside out. You know, the you, to shed one heart for another. 
Um, do we do that as we grow and evolve? Uh, while we sit in the back of the back of the bus, you know, bringing up all the political edges of this, to be in touch with that snake um, fear that you know that fear that uh, that we're all feeling right now this fear of the unknown um, you know it's the snake offering the uh, the, uh, the 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 apple of wisdom you know are we gonna what are we gonna learn about I'm just I'm just riffing here Simran um, because the poem even though this is as you said it's a prose poem it doesn't have the line breaks that most of the poems in my book have this is just a block of image that uh, will allow the, uh, the the snake coiled as the unspoken word is 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 one of the takeaways of this um, did I get anywhere? Yes, yes, and it was interesting as you started to talk about the serpent and the apple, I was having an image of the Garden of Eden, you know, with the serpent and the the knowledge and the line where you write where the poem is the prayer and you never learn to pray. Yeah. And, And that's, you know, to me, when we do have these places where we have to sit with our fear, where we have to be in the unknown, where we have to go into the places of oh my gosh, who am I? What am I doing here? Do I even like who I am? Do I even like the work that I do? I prayed for a pause if the world could just stop for a second and now that moment is here where the world has stopped and what do I do with it? You know, that's, I think, where people are because they don't know how to be with themselves and this heart, this shedding, this particular block of prose, I think very much goes to the core of it's, where it's, people need to be to touch oh, that unspoken of where they that, are right now. It, it, I got to tell you, it's just the opposite of what I would have picked, which is why it's so perfect. You know, the poem always must contain its opposite and the moment always has its opposite as well. But the way the poem ends, it's like a prayer, but you never learned to pray. You know, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the, the straight ahead meaning of that is, oh, my God. It's time for me to pray, but I never learned how to pray. But you know what? The thing about this and about orality is the word learn. You know, the, it, you know uh, it's like a prayer, but you never learned to pray. No. You know why you never learned to pray? Because it's always been in you. It's like the oral tradition. It, learning in the oral tradition is not writing it down on a piece of paper and handing it off and somebody memorizing it and then feeding it back on a test. You know, learning is living. You live with those songs of the griots of West Africa. That's how, you know, that's how you, you, you it, it, it becomes part of your life. You can't say really that a, that a child learns to speak because they're not learning in the way we think, you know, like they're not learning the parts of speech, the verbs, the nouns, the declensions, the, the you know, the, the tenses and all of that, the possessives, come on. Uh, it's, um, someone speaks to you and you respond and you're two years old, right? Or, and then uh, the greatest language, quote, learners of all are children. They don't know how to learn. They're living in the oral tradition. So therefore, they can just... Uh, Gather languages like 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 crops, like like vegetables, you know. And uh, it doesn't matter how many languages you throw at a child; they're they're able to pick them all up. Can we 
I think that's also the state of poetry, where the words mean everything and imagination is just part of life. Can we use our imaginations now in this moment of fear when the, you know, there's a snake that's not only under the seat, but it's under the axle into the grime of the road? I mean, how deep do you want to go with this thing? You know, um, so... I, I, I love the way poetry can play along with all of those ambiguities. Yes, you never learned to pray. Too bad. But yes, you never learned to pray. It was in you all the time. Mm, my guest today is Bob Holman. He is the author of 17 poetry collections. A couple of ways of doing something is one of them. And he has taught at uh, uh, Princeton, Columbia, New York, you, Bard, and the New School. He's a co-founder of the Endangered Language Alliance. And Bob Holman's study of hip-hop and West African oral traditions led to his current work with the Engendered Languages. He's the producer and host of films, including the United States of Poetry and Language Matters with Bob Holman, both nationally broadcast on PBS. Uh, we are talking about two of his books today. One is Life Poem that was written many years ago, and his newest, that was is the unspoken both of which are out now so you definitely want to check him out at bobholman.com that's b-o-b-h-o-l-m-a-n.com we'll be right back after these messages join us for a much more deeper discussion into words and language and the unspoken Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. As you are taking the time to be sequestered and offering yourself an opportunity to dig more deeply into your own heart, mind, and soul, I invite you to explore the issues of 1111 Magazine. They are digital. They are on the website always. They are completely free to you. This current month's issue is themed around beauty emerging, and there could be no greater time uh, than right now to discover the beauty that exists, to allow yourself to realize that beauty emerges out of all situations and circumstances. And oftentimes, it is the mud, the muck, and mire that create the most beautiful lotus flowers. And so allow this time to be one where you sit in your mud, you sit in your muck, you sit in your mire, and you let yourself flower and blossom forth. All of the issues are archived there always, as well as access to 1111 Talk Radio and all of the archived uh, shows that we have here. They are timeless. I have incredible guests who have amazing wisdom, powerful insight, and expanded hearts to share with you all that they hold inside themselves. So definitely access those types of tools as you are moving through your own growth process. My guest today is... Bob Holman, and he has written two books that are, have been published this past December. Um, one was written 50 years ago, the other one has been recent, and they've both been published simultaneously, which is a feat in the publishing industry, to say the least, but also quite something for an individual to have done. Life Poem is a young man's love poem to poetry. At the age of 21, Bob Holman was completely filled with New York as poem with Kenneth Koch as his primary guide, Donald Lev as his interlocutor to the scene, and the Beats and the New York School as his immediate kin. He spent the summer um, at the Cummington Community of the Arts in 1969, where he was granted a living art heart ransom. So he allowed himself to delve into creating his book of poetry at that time. I invite you to find out more about Bob Holman at bobholman.com. I want to go back, Bob, to what you were talking about at the end of the last segment, and you were speaking about the learnings that we take on. And I think that's another subtle and powerful piece uh, about what we're talking about here today, and particularly that you put the word un in red, which symbolizes a foundation of trust, our root chakra, our grounding, and the unspoken movement. And, you know, when we talk about the unknown or unknowing, to me, so much of what's happening right now is actually an opportunity for us to decondition, to allow to dissolve so much of what we've taken on that we believe to be true, that is simply believed because that's what we were told. To me, poetry is something intuitive. It's something that comes up out of you rather than something that's put on you. And so much, whether it's our politics or our religion or our cultural ways, those have been almost like 
coats or clothing that we have put onto ourselves and believed ourselves to be, but the poetry that can come through like it has come through your two books is almost like the underpinnings, the undergarments, the actual skin that we're in speaking for itself. Talk a little bit about the distinction between how you see poetry expressing all that we've learned and all that we've known before any learning ever took place. Sure, no problem. First off, the, I, I love your definition of red as trust, you know, and then I am working through the chakras with that. The red on the on the cover of uh, the unspoken is uh, is a, is meant to be like a proofreader's uh, markings up, you know, shows the process of writing. And the, as you mentioned before, it's the the words Bob Holman and word movement are. Uh, crossed through with these red lines. The thing is, you can still read the words. They're crossed out, but you can read them, you know, and that's a, that's an important uh, uh, place to be. You know, that's, that's part of this, uh, what, what, what poems, what language, what text can do. You know, with, text is, uh, is, is second consciousness. First consciousness, orality. Second consciousness is text and literacy. Third consciousness is digital, like you and I are talking over Skype and people are listening over their devices and everything that's in upheaval. That's not <coughs> a coronavirus cough. That's just clearing my throat. Um, <coughs> and then un is uh, also in red. And uh, points itself out. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 what what is what does the un do to everything? Understand to stand under. You know what someone does. Understand mean to stand under. Uh, are you accepting the fake news? Uh, you know, right now when you know we want to go to science and we're doing it. You know, we're we're sitting up here in uh, well I'm up here. I'm on the third floor over the Bowery Poetry Club. We're sitting up we're we're in our in our spaces or maybe you're out there working. A guy had made a delivery to me this morning. He held it out with his two hands separated so I could grab the middle of the handle and bring it in without touching anything he hadn't touched and then come in and wash my hands again. You know, this is this is the life we're living. So, what is it in these uh, in these poems that uh, that is innate? All I know is that language allows us to touch each other without touching each other. And I'm not saying that it's a good thing that I haven't hugged anybody in, in several days now, and uh, and I miss it. Um, but I do take some solace in both the uh, the touching of words like we're doing right now, creating this sort of long poem that's uh, a, a, a collaboration between you and me and brings up Kenneth Koch and Donald Lev, you know, my progenitors in the, in the poetry realm. Um, the, but it's something that you and I are doing unique. I love the way that you say that uh, poetry is something that comes out of you and just flows naturally. Well, the same way that it comes out of you, when it arrives at its uh, intended audience, which is everybody, um, then you got to listen like you're listening to something from your perspective. It's 50% 
of the writing of a poem is from the person reading it or the person hearing it. Luckily, we've got these digital modes now, but it's thrown us into absolute chaos. You know, from the time writing was invented until the means of distribution went into the first printing press was 2,000 years. So the mind evolved writing in the way writing has an impact on you. Uh, so and, until finally, it was more ready when the, when the, when people, when Shakespeare had to figure out which spelling to do or Chaucer, you know, thank you, Robert Hanning, my teacher for that. And uh, so we, we pass it, you know, now we pass it on through uh, digital means by pushing a button. It goes to everybody. I must have sent out 50 text messages, Simran, right before we started this talk today. People say, oh, my goodness, it's time to listen to Bob and Simran, you know. Hello, everybody. Um, So it's also important to know that, yes, the poet pulls this out of herself, but also the listener has to take what is given, has to receive for the poem to work. It is a relationship. It's it's a relationship with self. And then like you're saying, it's a relationship with that person that's listening. And then they take it and give life or the next breath to it after it has been given life. It is, it is a really beautiful relationship. And I came across your poem, The Village. Uh, and as we look at these times, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And right now we are the village and we are the child. So I want to share this one with everyone. I live in the village, not just any village, not just every village, where the city becomes a village, that's my village, where the intercontinental becomes the neighborly experiential, that's my village, uptown, downtown, low down, no town, that's the place that's home sweet hometown, the village is where I live, Jane Jacobs is my patron saint, she lived it with her apron paint, Stuff she saw, she made you see. The definition of reality. A mix, a mess, a mishigos. Trees in cement, mental floss. Ideas drip from a faucet. Grew up in a bedroom closet. Circumambulate these concrete paths. Tantric trails evanesce the globe. Centered on this village energy rocket. Simple pulse of living here. All lands and all peoples living here. Behind blinking windows of stacked buildings, population froths in undulating syncopation. Utopic and grand, elegantly funked and plastered. Mighty squat humanness, the village where I live. Again, this very much speaks to where we are right now. And yet in the isolation that many are feeling is the connectedness. Oh, use it. I don't think I've ever heard anybody but me read that poem. And uh, you did a good job there. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yes, you know, when I was in high school in New Richmond, Ohio, um, Marilyn Trees came up to me and said, when I, as after I got accepted into Columbia to come to New York to school, she said, oh, Bob, you're just going to go down to Greenwich Village and live with all those beatniks. And I said, what? But she was right. Um, and here I, here I am still with, you know, in those traditions, as you said before, the New York School and the Beats are kind of my immediate predecessors here. And uh, 
Um, Jane Jacobs gets a shout out in there. Um, she she made you see what she could see. Also, you spoke Yiddish. Come on, Simran. <laughs> We're getting some Yiddish out there today. Talk about your endangered languages. Every poem must have a word of Yiddish in it. You know, Yiddish is just such a, a spectacularly self-describing, you know, explosion of a language. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, we all have our lineages, whether you're in South Carolina or whether you're in New York City. You know, the people who made our towns, our villages, like you say, every child needs a village. Well, every child, you know, let's want, we want every child to have a village. You know, single mothers are, are you know, are sequestered now with, with babies. My, my, my daughter is going to have a baby in a week in, the, in this situation. Mm. You know, and my other daughter had a baby at the end of December. So just babies, babies to me do, you know, you sit there and say, oh, my goodness, bringing a baby into, into this world. But, you know, it's the babies who also are our hope and are the, uh, the possibility and the continuation you know, um, I, let's let's be careful with our movies and write our poems. Be careful with the movies that you make that t- that take you on a tear through the way that this is, uh, um, you know, a, a moment of, of destruction and panic. And go to the to the language itself because yes, you're right. Um, poems do dig into the very center of, of things. But they're also made of words, which is the connective tissue, you know. And, uh, and so to pull out those words in any way that you can, write your poem, go online and read the poems, um, buy the books, you know. Who will deliver them? The poem and... Uh, you know that's I think I think we need we need to keep these ancient arts which have proved their usefulness over and over and over have to keep them alive uh, in this time when we are you know struck with a with a, a, a global pandemic I guess global means pandemic pandemic coming from pan meaning all right but. Um, it's what we've got, you know, that and, and hopefully some food in the fridge, you know, I, I have to make a meal. When I make a meal now, unfortunately, it lasts two or three meals. I get a, I get slow down. Did you get dressed for work today, Simran? <laughs> I certainly did. You know, one thing that I love about you, and I loved it in your books, and I love it as you're speaking it, and, and there is an there's an art form, which poetry is, but there is a comedy and a tragedy. There's a lightness and a darkness. It's all right there together. And you exude that with your words and your way and the different things you're bringing together. And that, too, can be so relevant within poetry. It can be very light and playful or it can be very deep and heartbreaking and they can even be in the same place. And I think that that's something, when we allow ourselves the freedom to touch that, even if we don't know what we're doing or how we're writing, or because I've seen in, in your books, there are certain places where the entire poem was two lines long, but it was a profound two lines. 
Talk a little bit about that, the juxtaposition of so many elements being put together. And yes, I did get dressed this morning to come to work in my house. (laughs) I know. I think everybody should put on pants right now, you know. And, uh, you know, um, the high and the low that, you know, I was married to the painter Elizabeth Murray for for, uh, you know, a quarter of a century. And I'm looking at one of her paintings right now. And she was able to do that. You know, the masterful way that she put paint onto the canvas and yet the humorous way that, uh, that it can come off and read to you, almost like a sort of a, a comic book of high art in a way. And uh, so having a, a partner who is like that helps to... Uh, to, to bring those different sides together inside of a poem that wants to actually show you through the cracked glass, all angles, all facets of that diamond, which is the, the, the poem of sort of going to uh, um, evolve from a lump of coal, right? That's, that's, you've, got, you've got all those opposites flinging around. And I do love uh, these short poems. Um, you know, the uh, there's one that uh, that's proving to be my breakout hit in the unspoken is a poem called Every Word, and I'll say it, and then I'd like you to repeat back each line, okay? Okay. Here we go. Every word. Every word. In a poem. In a poem. Is a poem. Is a poem. Well, that's all you got. That's all you get. But, you know, <laughs> and that is perfect. Yes, yeah. that is perfect. My guest today is Bob Holman, and he has released two books this past December, Life Poem and The Unspoken. These books were written 50 years apart, and they are distinctly different, and yet there's a thread through them that is very much the same. Uh, He has been featured and profiled in The New Yorker. Uh, He has been called a -a one-of-a-kind poet, musician, playwright, engineer of language, and The Unspoken is his masterwork. He's widely known as a consummate spoken word maestro, and he applies his explosive talents to the dark matter of The Unspoken Word. He helps us to see what can't be heard. I invite you to explore his website, bobholman.com, and to check out his two books, Life Poem and The Unspoken. We'll be right back with Bob Holman and more poetry conversation after these messages. Do you want more more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. 
courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I, um, before we get back into our show, I want to mention I've got a brand new website. I'm really excited about it. So I'd love for you to take a peek and go visit it. And uh, you can receive a brand new journal that I've created. It's called the Inspired Living Journal. This is a perfect time to be journaling. And this will provide you the prompts and the support to do that journaling. And you can get that for free at my website, IamSimran.com. So go and get that. Uh, I also have some free talks and meditations on my 1111 magazine site. You can go and register and receive those as well. They, too, will support you in a very powerful way during this time. And that is at 1111mag.com. So have fun. My gifts to you. My guest today is Bob Holman. The Unspoken, a book of poetry, was written by him uh, and published along with life poem this past December. These were written 50 years apart, and the unspoken is proof that difficult can be brought together with illuminating. Bob Holman is rolling all his runes and cueless together in this book. He has fully harvested his Poe mind, or bard brain. The poems reveal how good-willed and open he is. The plethora of the praise poems and salutes to friends do stand out, and especially the poems to his wife, Elizabeth Murray, and their children. Uh, In these years, which oftentimes can be filled with so much heaviness and darkness and things that we don't understand, Bob is very aware that poetry has to exist in the raw lines of writing on printed services, to lurk on fluttering pages on post-apocalyptic beaches. That's where we encounter his book, The Unspoken. He wants you to read it, to ponder it, and then go into action. Is this kind of a manifesto for sacred or inspired action? Is it uh, a piece of activism, Bob? Yeah. Yes, I would. First, I want to, you know, let's give props to Ed Sanders, who wrote that incredible uh, intro that you just gave. So yes. beautiful. 
Um, and Ed has been a, a, a longtime friend. He was, you know, when I was going to college, I would go see the Fugs, that's F-U-G, the Fugs at uh, playing. They were the, the poets rock and roll band. And Ed has refused to be burnt out, as his, his, his uh, song goes. And uh, he's gone from being my, you know, my idol to being my friend. And all of you young poets out there, that's the way it happens. You know, once you get pulled onto that conveyor belt that is poetry, uh, this Jack Kerouac scroll, you too will, uh, you know, I hope get to grow old and see your uh, your idols becoming your friends. Mm-hmm. It's a small world out there, the poetry world, you know. Um, and uh, yes, I, I love manifesti. You know, the Dada and the futurists, uh, the Mayakovsky, you know, the, the, it's a, a, a world where you can proclaim all you want to in your poem. And of course, as Auden said, poetry makes nothing happen. Well, <laughs> there you have it, folks. Once again, the opposition. You know, the, uh, the 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 whole book is a is a manif- is a manifesto, and also every word in a poem is a poem. So you can get down to the, the you, know, you can take one word to bed with you. You know, be a, a nice relationship. Um, how to go to sleep. One, no, oh, it says how to wake up. I blew the poem. How to wake up. One, go to sleep. Oh, Lordy, if we could just go to sleep and and sleep for through this whole thing. If we could just rip Van Winkle it, you know. Um, so the 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 activism that comes from this is also meditation in action. You know, it's something to think about and then go into action. But action is definitely a part of it. And that's, you know, that's, I mean, poetry walks that line of, well, you're just navel-gazing, navel-nazing on on the, uh, when when you're writing a poem. No, you write a poem to change the world. And it, 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 you write a poem as a space shot into consciousness, as Bill Knott said to me. You know, you uh, write a poem, as Gregory Corso said, because you always take the, the poet's choice. If somebody says to you, you want this thing or that thing, always say, I'll take both of them. You know, and that's <laughs> what the, the poem wants to do. It wants to take both of them and then hand them off to you, and you add yours to it, and it just accretes, and accretes into a world unto itself. That is, you know, the, the world is a poem. Or, as I said when I, was, when I was 20 there, you know, life poem. You know? And uh, um, how about if I read the end of life poem to you? To you I think that would be wonderful. Okay. Stop, go back, reread. Here, you forgot these, the eyes. They've plopped down here. Put them in the right way, or else watch the inside of your mind. Poems cough and metaphors hide. Do parables describe or disguise? If I wrote in rhymes, would you read easier? If I didn't write at all, would you breathe easier? Do the words get in the way? Have you discovered yet that this is not a book? 
Poetry is a stance. Accept it and see. If you close your eyes and see the dancing spots, you have created art. Should you open them to the world, you have created life. This life poem jogs along on the tip of your eyelash. Your witness. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for That's sharing your voice and your, you, uh, your writing. It? It's, it's <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Twenty-year-old well, saying that. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, when I look at uh, so many of the rising poets right now, you know, there are a lot of millennials, particularly on social media, that are sharing their poetry in in very wide and expansive ways. And we were talking about the social and political activism that can take place. Uh, it does appear that they utilize that to not only share their hearts and what they're feeling about things, but as a manner of or, or utilizing poetry in that role of activism. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom or any thoughts around these new generations, uh, being one that wrote your own book at 20, you know, how, how they can impact or, or uh, stay true to that voice and continue forward uh, this, yeah, it is an amazing moment for poetry. You're absolutely right, Simran. That the internet <clears throat> is availing us of, a, of immediate connection to everyone. Who would have thunk? You know, it's incredible. And and people take this on. You know, the readings at the Bowery Poetry Club every Sunday and Monday. Once we get to the point where there are anything anymore. Um, are spectacular. Mahogany Brown is is doing is is curating now, and she is, to me, she's younger, but there's generations following Mahogany, who also ran the, the slam at the New Eurekan, you know, for so many years. Um, but yeah, there's such great poetry happening now. <clears throat> My only advice is to read and listen as part of your writing. That's all. And it seems that people are doing that. But let's not forget the complete lineage back to the, uh, to the cave painters, you know. Let's, let's listen to the griots of Africa as they, against all odds, against the, the genocide that's been done in those countries and to those cultures, that, this, that the poetry has managed to stay alive, which is what hip-hop is passing on. To me, you know, and so, you know, take your role seriously, you know, do all this reading and research, which will inform you with the truth and, uh, and then make, speak the unspoken. Mm -hmm. You were talking during our break about a couple of nonprofits that have to do with writing and poetry that you're involved in. Would you like to share anything about those or the support that can be given to them? Right, I sure would. One is the, the gathering of the tribes, which uh, was a, a, the the home base of Steve Cannon, who died last July, dear friend of mine, and the uh, the the proprietor of the last crash pad in the East Village. He would not only support artists, but he'd let them stay in his house. While meanwhile, having his house be a gallery as well as uh, publishing a magazine. And Steve's, we're now with Ishmael Reed and, and uh, David Henderson and Chavisa Woods, 
we are trying to figure out next steps for gathering of the tribes. And, you know, the lineage is so deep. Steve was the blind professor, Simran. He was known as the only paid heckler in New York City. Um, and, of course, the only um, acknowledged blind gallery dealer as well. Just a fascinating man and a wonderful, creative, generous spirit. So you can find a, a gathering. It's at tribes.org is the website for that. And then the Bowery Poetry Club, which is at boweripoetry.com, is entering into a, a, a new era now when we, when we come back. And people can actually visit the club at 308 Bowery uh, in Manhattan on Sundays and Mondays. Open mics are the are the are one of our strong uh, programming efforts, a place where everybody has a chance. That's poetry really offers that. It's the lighthouse to the world, these open mics. So, you know, jot down a poem and come over and read it at the Bowery Poetry Club. That's at uh, BoweryPoetry.com. Thank you so much, Bob Holman, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It was a delight. And to end in his words, should we go to the garden? I don't know. Okay, I guess. Have you been there before? Yeah, but it's a while ago. I'm sorry, we don't have to go. It's okay. Let's go to the garden. Until next week, my guest will be Bonnie McLean. I hope you'll join me. I am Simran. Be in love, of love, with love, and as love. And always be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.